You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Oh God, you are our God, and we give you thanks for your word written down, for your living word in Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for our diving into the text this morning today, that your word will not just come in spoken word, but with power, with full conviction, and with your Holy Spirit, through Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Well, good morning to everyone. It's so good to see you. Been uh, meeting lots of visitors in first service and second service, seeing people that I normally uh, see online present today. And uh, I'm sure with the blood drive, there are people that are watching online and headed down to do the blood giving today. So it's just so good to welcome you. I'm, I'm excited to dive into the Word of God today, and I hope you are too. I wonder on the front, who you stand for? Who do you represent? Who are you willing to speak up for? Now, here at First Christian, we're followers of Jesus, so that quickly becomes where our minds go and where our hearts go, that we're followers of Jesus. And there's a point when following Jesus when your expectations about following Jesus are shaken. They're jarred. Where Jesus himself comes to us and almost shakes up the cage of our expectation and what we thought it was to follow Jesus, gets changed in our mind. The Jesus that we thought we understood is much larger, much bigger. And what that means is, usually, our understanding of Christ is not really the actual Christ, but it's a Christ of our own construction. We have built this image of Christ that is not Jesus. Now, I've been enjoying each week, I hope that you have, as we've uh, dived into a different gospel every week and taking a different aspect of what it means to follow Jesus each week, trying to round out and give a holistic view to our understanding of discipleship. Well, this week we enter into uh, Mark's gospel, and Mark is the shortest gospel, and it's a lot like Matthew. In fact, Matthew is more of an expanded version of Mark. And we get the same story that that Jackie just read to us, this calling narrative where Jesus rather quickly invites people to give up their jobs as fishermen and to follow after him. And they do. There's not much commentary other than they've left everything behind to follow Jesus. Well, in Mark's Gospel, and also in Matthew, but in Mark's Gospel in particular, there's another story of following Jesus that comes in the dead center This was the second text that Jackie read to us. In the very middle of Mark's gospel, we finally get this introduction to who Jesus is on the lips of a human being. Up to this point in Mark's gospel, the people that have identified Jesus have been, you know, the normal folks, demons, uh, unclean spirits, or the title itself in the very first verse, that Jesus is the Son of God. But here... In Mark chapter 8, we get the confession of who Jesus is on the lips of a human being. 
And it's kind of like they've gotten used to following Jesus around and it's its own little small group. And Jesus gathers His small group around Him and asks on the sheet question number one. Who do people say that I am? And the disciples, the followers of Jesus, have something to say. You know, they've been listening. They've been following Jesus. They hear the word on the street. They've picked up some things. And they begin to answer Jesus' question. Well, some say that you're John the Baptist, the guy whose head was cut off because he prepared the way for Jesus. They think John the Baptist uh, rose from the dead, reattached his head, and his back speaking again. Some people say Elijah, going much further back, an older prophet, a prophet that was met to come before the coming Messiah. And so Jesus looks at the discussion questions again and asks the second question. But who do you say that I am? And there's Peter. Peter steps forward and he says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And Jesus affirms his answer because he gives the right answer. And now we kind of know what to say. If we hear this from Peter, we know the answer to the question. You know the relief that always comes whenever someone answers, especially when it's you, the teacher's question correctly, and the teacher's pleased about it? There's just a relief. Okay, pressure's off for a while. So we get the answer. We know what it is. We've had this moment where Jesus has been identified as the Son of God. It's been confessed. And what's being stated here is a lot. It's a political statement to call Jesus the Son of God, to call Him a King. The Hebrew word, Messiah. The Greek word, Christos. Both of them meaning King. Both of them meaning Anointed One. So they're making a statement about Jesus being King. And it's all kind of settled. We've got the Kingdom of God coming as Jesus proclaims that message, so we know what the Kingdom is. And we have Jesus stepping forward to say, Yes, I'm the king of that kingdom. He doesn't dismiss the fact that he is coming as Messiah, as Christ. So we verbally crowned our king, and I guess we could stop right there. Our mission is of trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. This week we're looking at saying the things that Jesus said. And that's a great starting point, that we're able to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But this is kind of where Jesus rattles our cages. Because everyone's in agreement of what Jesus' job description is until Jesus begins to describe what that job description is. When he begins to go into concrete terms what it means to be king, things get a little uncomfortable. So you can see the sheet of paper. His uh, job description gets lined out that Jesus, there at the top of the page, Jesus is Messiah. Okay, we know what this is. Let's figure out what the job description is for Jesus. Number one, the Messiah should suffer. Wait a second, I don't know that that was on the list, but suffering is number one on Jesus' list of the job description. Number two, rejected by the religious leaders. Okay, didn't plan on that one either. Well, what about rejection by the scribes? Those people who were experts in the law. No, that's not one. It's on my job description list or the disciples. 
Or how about this one? To be executed, killed. Certainly not what you want from your king. Or finally, to rise from the dead. When Jesus begins to speak in these concrete terms, it doesn't fit. It doesn't line up. It doesn't even fit with our own understanding. Can you imagine a leader of any kind, a CEO, an elected leader saying, yes, my job is to be rejected by people. Uh, I'm planning to be killed and executed. But don't worry, I'll come back from the dead. These are not normal expectations. So again, we have Peter. Peter who comes forward gently. A kind of a rare thing for Peter. He gently takes Jesus aside. Because Jesus has been so open with all of these things, he is not even embarrassed about them at all. And so Peter has a little bit of embarrassment for him, pulls him aside to rebuke him, to set him straight. Because the political reality, the religious reality that Jesus is describing does not line up with what his followers think should happen or what any Jew would think should happen with the job description of the Messiah. And it's at that point that Jesus, after having spoken very concretely about what his mission is, takes this private rebuke and rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind divine things, but you have in mind human things. All of these disturbing and unsettling descriptions for what the leader is supposed to be shock appall, but none more than when Jesus turns this into a public discussion. You know, I don't know what happened, because just moments ago we had all this figured out. We had settled that there was a kingdom, that Jesus was going to be on the throne of David. He was going to be the heir, the Messiah, the king. And we had essentially crowned him and anointed him as the king. So what happened? Here at First Christian, our intent is to follow Jesus as our leader. To be everywhere with Jesus. Doing the things that Jesus did. And today, saying the things Jesus said. And next week, going where Jesus goes. That's what we're to be about. And if we read carefully what Mark says, then we learn that the first thing about saying what Jesus said is listening very closely to what Jesus said. Because sometimes our expectations of what Jesus said, the, the knowledge that we think we know about Jesus is wrong. We regurgitate some facts and we have a sense of the content, but we're off because we haven't listened closely to what Jesus is trying to communicate about what it is to lead. Their intention was for Jesus to take governmental power, for him to have victory in the public arena as a religious leader, as a political leader. And he redefines that in such radical ways that they cannot handle it. Now, we get the starting point. We know what we're supposed to do. If we're going to say what Jesus says, then we must be willing to at least start with this confession that Jesus is our King. He is the Messiah. That Jesus is going to be our leader among all other leaders. And it's a good starting point. 
Peter and Mark being the first human to confess it. In the very next chapter, we get another great confirmation. Do you remember this story where Jesus goes up the mountain and he appears with Elijah? He appears with Moses. And a voice from heaven says, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. If we're going to say what Jesus says, then we're going to have to tune our ears, even ears that have long since been focused on the realities of God and Scripture, on the realities that Jesus is Lord, but we have to focus and listen closely to who Jesus is. Well, what Jesus does is take this very private moment between he and Peter and to make it public. And he looks to the crowd and he invites everybody into the discussion and he says, anyone who wants to be my follower must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's what it means to be a Messiah and a follower of the Messiah. I think that's amazing that Jesus invites those disciples, all of them, the crowds in this open space, in this real world example, to follow after Jesus. Well, let's look at those. Because that first one about denying yourself is an important one. Where we give up, we release some of those things that we hold to be true. And cling more tightly and more firmly to what Jesus says is true. We're locked on to it. We are not following any other leader but Jesus who is our King and our Christ. When we talk about denying ourselves, well, a lot of times we think about, well, we've got to sell everything. We've got to walk away from our entire lives like those fishermen did and basically become homeless. Well, sometimes that's the case. But if you look at what happens often with disciples, their money, their things, their career, their jobs, all are surrendered. All of our expectations of what success and a good life are, are surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. They're given to let Jesus guide and Jesus dictate. Denying ourselves is about releasing those things that we hold to be so valuable even true, in order to cling more tightly to what Jesus says is true. Well, picking up your cross, the second thing, picking up your cross and following Jesus invites us into the kind of life that is Jesus' way of life. Now, I'll admit it's a bizarre way to talk about discipleship. Pick up your method of execution. Pick up your torture chamber and carry it around with you. But if you think about it, that really is an amazing way to think about our own lives. We all have things that we are going through and suffering. Crosses that we are bearing. Sometimes we think we've got to die ourselves for Jesus, and that may happen to some of us. But we're not looking for another Jesus. We don't need another Jesus. We already have one. We are to, to pick up our cross and follow behind Jesus. We're to pick up our sufferings, our difficulties. Our lives become this movie, this stage, where we're enacting what it is to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. You know, if you're, if you're recently divorced, 
You're trying to figure out how to support your family, how to raise your kids. You have to pick up the suffering and the difficulty that's been given to you and carry your cross. If you're a middle school student trying to figure out how to do online school, you have to pick up your cross and log in. If you're the breadwinner in your family who's been told you don't need to come back to your job and you have to figure out how you're going to make a living, there is your suffering, there is your cross that you're picking up. You pick up whatever has been given to you and you follow behind Jesus. Well, this third thing, we have denied ourselves, we're talking about picking up our cross and following Jesus. The third one of following Jesus is an invitation to not go through this life alone. Because the truth of the matter for you and for me, when we face these sufferings, when we face these difficulties, we don't really know how to do this as a divorced person or a middle school student trying to do online school or someone who's lost their job. We don't know how to do this. Well, the good news is that you do not have to do it alone. You're not invited into your suffering in isolation. You're invited to pick up your cross and understand that the God we follow walks with you. You are not by yourself. You are together with Jesus. Not dragging yourself, not dragging your cross through the desert all alone, but carrying your cross with a Lord that has been there before. Just this week, I've heard from a lot of you about how you are following Jesus in big things and in small. Saying prayers to try to find your cell phone seems like a small thing, but it's surrendering whatever has come your way. Praying about the bullying that you're experiencing. Praying over the grief that you are going through in your life. You are going through those circumstances, not alone, but together with Jesus. Well, as we look at what we've explored so far, we know what it is to say what Jesus said because we are confessing the truth that he held up, that he is the Messiah, he is the King. We're denying ourselves, we're denying what we hold to be true, picking up, gathering up the circumstances that we have to go through in our life, our suffering, our lot in life, and we're following in behind Jesus. You know, when we look at this, uh, sometimes it's easy to feel like, well, there's nothing that I can really do. And sometimes even Christians encourage this, that, well, you know, you're just helpless, laying there depraved in the floor. You can't do anything on your own. You're just lying there with a huge pile of laundry that you have to do. And so you reach out and you pray to the Lord, Lord, help me with this laundry to get it done because it just won't get done. And you just lay there. Oh, and by the way, Lord, help me with my marriage too. Hmm. Well, laundry's kind of a silly example. But in times whenever we have these tasks that we have to pick up and do, we're not passive. This is an active pursuit of denying our selfishness, denying our passivity, and standing up. Taking our cross, taking the burden that's been given to us, and following Jesus. Doing it together with Jesus. Now I know that's a ridiculous example. Laundry is not as complex as what all we must go through. I realize that this 
process can be stated simply, this process of following Jesus. But it's a, an approach that takes time, that must unfold over the years, where we learn who we are, what our identity is, because we're just exploring the identity of who Jesus is. The identity of Jesus being the Christ begins to affirm for us who we are and how we're to be in this world, where Jesus becomes the very gravity that holds us to the earth, where Jesus is the sun around which our planet orbits, where Jesus is the axis on which our planet spins. We orient our whole lives together with the Lord who wants to walk with us. I'm thankful that God has given me people of all ages. You know, as I look at my own cross to bear, the own, my own things that I have to go through, God gives us different people. People that are younger, people that are older. People who are going through things that you've long since gone through. People who are going through things and you think that it's maybe an immature way that they're approaching these things. Or someone who's further down the road. Maybe they're older, maybe they're just wiser. And you're able to look to them. God gives us people that are walking through life, carrying their own cross, that in many ways help us know how to carry our own cross. Even if our relationship is not exactly the same. Even if our situation and circumstances are not mirror images of one another. And we can learn from these people. Obviously, whenever we look at uh, saying the things that Jesus said, it's driving us deeper into the Word. And I would invite you here on the front of the year to think about ways that you can get in the Word of God. How you can read it. How you can memorize it. You know, memorizing can be intimidating. It can be overwhelming. The most important thing about memorization is the repetition. You're just doing something over and over again. Saying the verse in the morning, saying it in the evening, saying it in the middle of the day. Letting that be driven into your soul. Letting your soul marinate in the words of God. Sometimes it takes saying it out loud yourself, not just reading it. Sometimes it takes you putting a pen to paper and writing it out in your own handwriting, what it means. Or maybe you need to hear it. You need to experience it with your senses to let someone else read it to you on an audiobook. Or record your own voice. You could say, is that really me? Is that how I sound? To let all these senses embrace the Word of God so that it can be buried in your heart. You know, another way that we make this happen that's already built into who we are at first is weekly worship like this, where we gather online and in person to worship God and to explore Scripture. This is something that can be a part of our schedule. Or what about groups? Groups are a place where people are pray prayerful for one another, accountable to one another, diving into Scripture or study of spiritual topics where we deepen our engagement with Scripture. And maybe, like we've already mentioned, it's finding something that's going to work for you. And a prayer partner or an accountability partner where you can embrace the Word of God in a deep way. Well, this, these are interesting stories to me. Hopefully to you as well. Stories like the very quick one in chapter 1. Simple to the point of immediately following Jesus. 
Stories that are a little bit more difficult and expansive, like chapter 8, where the realities of following Jesus set in, and our expectations are challenged, and we're pushed. We're pushed to grow. To not merely confess that Jesus is Lord, but to deny ourselves. To take up our cross, to gather up the suffering that we must endure, and to follow closely with Jesus. The basic quality of someone who follows Jesus is to be the kind of person who wants nothing more than to spend time learning how to live your life from Jesus. That's what it is. You follow Jesus, listening to his words so that you will know how to say his words. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that your word is not just written down, but you brought it to us in flesh. Thank you for Jesus, who gives us a picture of what it is to follow you, to struggle, to face conflict, to face difficulties, to enjoy the joys of life, food gathered with friends. Thank you for enfleshing the word for us. Father, our prayer today is that you will help us, help us in our journey to follow Jesus, to be able to listen attentively to your word, and to be able to say, say the things that Jesus said, to embody them, to let them challenge us anew and afresh every day of our existence. Thank you for the life that we have together with a group of believers who are struggling and seeking to find you in this world. We ask this through Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, as one God now and forever. Amen.